Hello and welcome to another episode of Boulder for Next Cast, the podcast where I chat to people from college societies from all across the country to help you discover new things. We are brought to you by, of course, Vodafone X, the incredible mobile plan for young people and students, which gives you unlimited data, unlimited weekend calls and loads of ways to discover yourself, including access to a huge range of free online courses. Make sure to check it all out and get signed up at VodafoneX.ie. And you will also find all the other really interesting and diverse Vodafone X cast episodes up there. Now, this episode is the health one and health in general, which is a very wide topic, um, which is relevant to everyone in the world. So it's going to be a really interesting one. I'm looking forward to it. My guests today are Emma Reid from Emergency Medicine Society in NUIG. We have Jessica McMahon from Mental Health Society in Maynooth. And we have Daniel Flanagan from Mental Health Society, National College of Ireland. You're very welcome, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining me today. Um, Jessica... Sum up your society in one word, if you can. Ooh, I'm going to say extraordinary. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And have you been involved in society for a while? Yes. So I'm in my final year now, but this is my, I'd say this is my second term running the Mental Health Society. And we have just done some incredible things. But I'm telling you, if you could think of the craziest of events, times it by 10, because that's what we've done, especially during the pandemic. So I just love them to bits. No, so you're you said you're in your final year. So, but you've done two years in the mental health society in Minute. Yes. So in Minute, you can only run a society for up to two years. So this is my final term, unfortunately. I'm sure you've done a great job so far. Um, can I ask you how did you discover it in the uh, the mental health society in Minute in the first place, and what made you get involved? Um, so I don't want to give you a bit of a sad story, but when I was coming into college in first year, I was in a bit of a tough spot. Um, I just gone through something kind of hard. And I decided to reach out to the then president of the Mental Health Society to see if I could find the right supports and maybe try and make a few friends. And I ended up becoming really good friends with them. And so I got kind of involved with society. I then uh, started another society in the college because as someone with various learning difficulties and disabilities, I kind of felt like I wanted to create a space for students to basically kind of do that kind of thing. So going back to mental health society, when I was in my second year, that friend was graduating and this is the position came up for grabs. So I decided to take a leap and I took it and I kind of flew with it from there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you haven't looked back since. I just want to say, actually, you recognizing that you needed help and wanted to reach out and speak to someone um, was just very strong and you should be proud of yourself for doing that. And look how, look how good you are now and, and you're flying it. So fair play to you. Did you think joining the Mental Health Society was a good way of discovering new things about yourself? Did it help you come out of your shell? Absolutely. One thousand percent. I could not recommend more highly for someone to join the Mental Health Society or really any society, but in particular the Mental Health Society. When I first came to college, believe it or not, I couldn't stand at the beginning of the room without vomiting. I distinctly remember my first week going into the AGM, which is where you elect your committee for each year. I remember standing up being like, hello, I, I'm Jesse," And then ran and got sick everywhere because I couldn't do it. I couldn't look at people. Oh, my God. <laughs> and now I'm here on a podcast. That's what I just about to say. Yeah, you're now you're sitting on a podcast <laughs> chatting to loads of people. So you've come a long way. Um, that says a lot about you and, and uh, what can happen if you just take the first step and get involved in a society. Emma. So you're involved in Emergency Medicine Society. Can I ask you just straight initially, are you studying medicine then as well or are you just getting involved for the crack? I am. I'm a student doctor. I'm in my fourth year of five in my medical degree in NUIG. But the big thing about the Emergency Medicine Society is you don't need to be a medical student like we have 
we really want to get people involved from, you know, nursing students and then like paramedic students. There's one of the guys is in the mountain rescue. Like we want to make it so much more than just emergency medicine is about doctors because realistically it's not about any of those people. It's about the patients. Like, so yeah, yeah, we want to really broaden it out. So you don't need to have any kind of, like you said, paramedics there or anything to do with medicine or physios. You can literally be a Joe Soap that does someone like me who does law because you get involved in emergency medicine society. Absolutely, absolutely. Because realistically, what you'd be very lucky if there was someone on the scene who was trained at an accident or at a match or something. But the reality of the situation is usually it is the normal person who's maybe just learned to deal with the situation from seeing an ad or seeing a poster or something. So the more people from outside of the area of healthcare that we get involved, the better for sure. And what's the overall aim of the Emergency Medicine Society? It's the first one I've ever heard of um, an actual society specifically for emergency medicine. Do you teach people how to um, react when someone gets hurt or what's happened? Yeah, so the goal of the society, I suppose, mainly would be to promote emergency medicine as a career for healthcare students. So um, if you want to, you know, branch into that specialty when you qualify. But in addition to that, we want to really spread skills and knowledge to normal people of how to manage, you know, choking or how to do CPR. And these are all skills that can be taught from, you know, we've done it over Instagram, it can be done over Zoom. And we just really want people to have the knowledge because when you go into panic mode, you've read it somewhere. If you've read it, you can do it. And that's it. Like, so that's our, our goal. That's amazing. Yeah. I've always wanted to do a course that would teach me like, I'm probably saying it wrong now, but is it a Heimlich maneuver for someone's choking? or something like that, or like um, any situation like that, I'd love to be able to help out in that in that scenario. So if I joined a society like yours, I would learn things like that. Follow us on Instagram, Greg, and you'll learn things like that. <laughs> okay, I might just have to. Um, Daniel, you are part of the Mental Health Society in National College of Ireland. Um, what made you initially get involved in the, in the society? Yeah, so when I went into first year in college, I was a bit kind of, I suppose, I was a bit overwhelmed. There's a lot of societies and everything to join. And it just, it's a bit overwhelmed when you got to sign up day and you just see everything hit you in the face. And um, so mental health's always kind of been a topic that I was very interested in. So when I went into first year, I'd seen that they were just a brand new society and it just kind of seemed a way to get my foot in the door and kind of, I suppose, get involved with the college experience and see what college life was like outside of lectures. Okay. Yeah. And when was that? That was a couple of years ago or is that just, when, when did you get involved? Yeah. So that was in first year and I'm in third year now on a work placement. So it's like, it's been two years. So I went in in first year and I kind of, I was elected to the committee of the mental health society. And then from second year, I've took on the role as president. So I'm still keeping that up now in third year. What kind of stuff does the mental health society entail? Like do you events or just bring awareness to mental health? How does it work? Yeah, so last year we kind of ran a, uh, ran a good few events, be like training. So safe talk training was one thing we really wanted to, I suppose, get the students of NCI in on. Um, just how to deal if you ever are presented in a situation with someone who is, I suppose, feeling suicidal. Um, and then we ran events to raise funds for Pieta House as well. Um, and I think like a lot of what we want to do is just kind of educate people on mental health and show them where the supports are available for them to use if they are struggling. Yeah, that's a great, great idea. And it's definitely needed in today's world. Could you just explain what mental health means to you, Daniel? Um, to me, I kind of feel mental health is just it's it's just such a broad um, topic in the sense that mental health can just be taking a couple of minutes to practice mindfulness throughout the day, or it, it can be um, listening to a podcast and educating yourself on, I suppose, mental illnesses and such. I think it really is something that everyone, everyone has mental health. And I think people are kind of found with the misconception that they need to be sick with their mental health in order to kind of benefit it. 
Whereas you should be kind of looking at it from a perspective of prevention over cure. So you want to kind of stay on top of your mental health and stay on top of, I suppose, your, your breathing techniques and stuff. If you are feeling a bit anxious before it gets to that stage where it's built up so much that you don't really know what to do with it. Emma, you're obviously studying medicine and you're, you said you're in your fourth year. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. You obviously deal with a lot of physical injuries, illnesses and injuries and, and all that stuff. But do you deal much with cases of mental injuries? Absolutely. We do definitely deal with mental health. Um, at the moment, actually, I'm, I'm rotating through psychiatry and it's a fantastic experience to be able to work with people. You know, there's no judgment from the side of the healthcare professional and it's listening and it's taking in what the people have to say. And what's made me feel really confident where I too ever need to engage the mental health services is that you're not different and it's not a bad thing to do. And if you need the help, it's there and nobody's going to think less of you. So you're getting trained up in the mental side of it as well. I didn't realize that. I, I literally, this is probably very ignorant to me, but I just thought doctors are trained up in illnesses, injuries, physical, and that's really it. And you never really kind of studied the mental health side of it. Has that always been in the curriculum or is that kind of a new thing that's come up? Oh, no, no, absolutely. If you are to be a psychiatrist, you have to have a medical degree. So that's that's the, the way of training you go through. So yeah, you do learn about the physical, of course, but we spend loads of time learning about the mental as well. It's just as important. Yeah. And a question I have for you then, Emma, being on that side of the, the well, emotional transaction, you could probably call it. What about the impact on you? If you're, you meet 10 people in a day that are all telling you about their issues and it's the worst thing in the world to them because everything's relative, how does that impact on you then? Because obviously you're going to get drained by that emotionally. I suppose the big thing is that in healthcare, everyone's in a team. It's a multidisciplinary team. You know, you have your physios and you have your OTs and of course there are the doctors and the nurses and you're only one member of that team and there will probably be a few other people around who've had a similar experience interacting with these people who are having a really terrible time. And some people's stories really do hit home and, you know, you go home and you're thinking about them and you really feel for them and you might even reflect some of your own life where you can you can feel their experience and empathize. But it's really important to talk to the team, to, you know, talk to someone more senior than you, tell them how you feel, I guess, as you would with any issues with your mental health, but tell them that you've been affected by this and, you know, how can they help, basically. Yeah. You mentioned there that you work alongside physios and OTs, um, which obviously kind of brings to the physical side of health. Um, I'd love to just get your opinion on the relationship between physical and mental health. So, so important, you know, getting out for a walk. It's so cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. You know, it, the exercise is so important for your mental health. And then as well, you know, if people have physical ailments, it's going to obviously make it tougher to get through your day. So you're starting on the back foot and the mental health kind of side of things already. And it's a real power to get through the day if you're in chronic pain or whatever you have going on with positive mental health and fair play. Like, Yeah, yeah. I literally could not advocate more for exercise. Like, honest, I was only having this conversation yesterday with my mate, one of the lads in the team, and he came out with this statement where I stopped him and he said, Exercise is free medicine that you can get anywhere. Like, honestly, when, if I'm having a bad time, I'll kind of sit down and be like, all right, when's the last time I trained? And if it was like two days ago, I'm like, that's why I feel crap. I'm like, yeah. you know, I haven't got up. I haven't got out into the fresh air. Um, I haven't got blood flowing, endorphins flowing. It's literally, it's such a holistic thing. Like you might think um, that physical is separated from mental, but you'd be so wrong. It's like, even just try it. Try to set yourself a routine and get out a couple of times a week. And as you said, it could just be going for a walk rather than something like me where I have to go proper training. But I'm 
doing it professionally, so I have to do that. Um, but there's such such a link, and I feel it in my own personal life. Even when I'm on time off, I even schedule myself that I have to do something uh, physically because um, it just completely impacts on your mental and just improves you straight away. This is such a massive topic. There's just so many questions I have. One I want to ask you specifically, Daniel, is mental health in relation to men. Obviously, women are seem to be in society and historically much better at speaking about their feelings and talking to their friends about what, what matters to them. Whereas I've experienced in my own life and with my mates that we kind of have to be tough and not really speak about our emotions. And if, if you're upset about something, it's seemed as a weakness, um, which is completely wrong, but that's the way I've seen it. And society kind of has um, portrayed men... What do you think about mental health and men and, and what should we do as male figures? Yeah, completely agree with you there. There's kind of a stigma around men and mental health, definitely. Um, I feel as though the best thing to do is just to talk. And I suppose if you're having issues to just discuss it, and it's it's such a hard thing to do. It's it's not easy, but that goes for everyone. It's it's just such a it's such a hard thing to open up about how you're feeling. But I suppose if you want to get the help for something, it's just it, it will make it so much easier if you just, I suppose. Talk about how you're feeling um, and, and approach a friend or approach a co-worker and just say, look, I'm not, I'm not too sure what, what how I'm feeling. I'm not too sure what the crack is with this, but I'm just not feeling too good lately. And, you know, you can go from there. I think the first step and the hardest step is just talking about it and discussing how you're feeling. And it's very easy to kind of feel like you're annoying people, but I just, it's it's so much, it would be so much more beneficial if people were just more, so much more open to talking about how they were feeling. Yeah, I agree with you. Jessica, can I uh, ask you on that point? What do you think um, about mental health and the women and men and speaking about their issues? Such a big question. So many answers came to mind. I will tell you, I've done surveys of last year and one survey from last year from the college students over 60% of students felt hopeless at the end of last year. With 47% of students feeling like that they just weren't getting enough support and help. I think when it comes to mental health, it's such a big spectrum. People often have this image that mental health is one specific thing, maybe feeling sad all the time or not being able to get out of bed. Or It's very, very different for everybody. And during the pandemic in particular, a lot more students are facing poor mental health and they might not even realise it. Just as a pure example, I was co-captain for the Movember team. So I don't know if you know, I'd say you know Movember. Movember is like the Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. It's fantastic. And we raised over 5,000 euro virtually doing loads of different events to try and encourage people of all genders, all backgrounds to speak out. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your story is, everybody deserves to have help. Everyone deserves to get support and services and there should be no stigma around it. So doing the Movember was incredible because we had a men's mental health discussion panel where I asked various lads from the college to come speak out because a lot of the time you don't really hear people sharing their stories. This was very, very powerful and very incredible to hear because you had these lads who came out and they were honest about their story, about how they were feeling. These are lads who are popular, you know, some were on the football team, some were, you know, activists, things like this. And they just sat there and some cried and some were just so truthful. And it led to more students speaking out and more reaching out. So I think people sharing their stories, being open and honest definitely helps encourage people to speak out. As you mentioned they're realising it and that kind of resonated with me as you were speaking. Um, even myself in my own situation, realising that it's um, at some stages I'm just not feeling okay. And as I was growing up as a teenager and being involved in sports teams, I've been involved in sports teams since, like, since a young man. And um, 
it's like locker room banter. I don't know if any of you've played sport, but when you walk into a locker room, you're basically told to leave your feelings at the door. Like if you come in and you are so a little bit of weakness, you are just getting eaten alive with slags, right? It's just the way it is for some reason, especially in, in rugby dressing rooms, which is good because in some way it bonds you, right? Because you're slagging each other as banter, you're becoming mates, but then obviously they're going at little insecurities you have. I remember, for instance, I suffered from severe acne in school for about four years um, from like, First year to fourth year, so like really developing years. And um, I used to get slagged so much about from the lads for just having really bad spots. And uh, I remember one lad uh, calling me Volcano Face, and I laughed it off, And but like it really, really got at me. And I was just like, went home and then I didn't start crying or anything, but I was like, Greg, just stop getting so upset. Like, you're supposed to be a tough lad. And um, now looking back on it, I was like, it was okay for me to be upset. I probably should have like spoke to him, being like, oh man, I didn't really appreciate you saying that about me. Like, I'm obviously really insecure about it myself. So, um, realizing it is kind of where I'm getting at there. It's okay to feel crap and speak up about it. Emma, speaking on that point of emergency medicine, um, is that a popular area to study or do people tend to kind of master in another area of medicine that's less intense? I'm presuming emergency medicine is a very intense area to study. Yeah, so it is intense and it's really cool actually because, you know, it's adrenaline and it's nearly like a sport, you know, because it's a team game. There's one one person takes the lead and they stand back. So they're like the manager of the team. They can't step over that white line. And then there's, you know, one person who takes the airway there at someone's head. And if, you know, if they can't breathe for themselves, they're putting a tube down their neck and their job is, you know, reassure, lead the team as well, because that's the scariest place to be. So that's like the captain. And then you have like loads of other team members, whether they're ordering your chest x-rays or whether they're getting a line in to give some fluids or some bloods, everyone's working together. And it's so exciting. Like I'm, I like sports myself and that's why I was really drawn to this area because it's such a team effort in that regard. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of career prospects off the, off the back of it. Oh, 100%. But again, not just in the hospital, you know, you have your paramedics, a big area that's coming at the minute is HEMS, which is helicopter emergency medicine services. So, you know, there's jobs for pilots, there's jobs for mechanics. There's, it's such a broad ranging area. It's not just the doctors and the nurses, you know? Yeah. I think I saw recently enough that the Irish helicopter service did their 3,000 a rescue or something like that, um, which is which is amazing. Obviously, a very cool area to work in, doing great things. Um, Jessica, can I ask you, um, you, you spoke about your society and doing loads of events over the last kind of year or so. Um, what kind of events are you doing uh, virtually? Because um, it obviously isn't the easiest to do stuff like that right now. No, I agree with you. It's definitely been tricky, but I think we've actually done a lot in the space I mean even in November we collaborated with over 27 clubs and societies and we held over 46 virtual events uh, which raised again the 5,328 euro I suppose what would be some good examples I could pull off the bat we're literally doing uh, crazy things My, we do uh, tea and coffee evenings we use uh, a service called Remo which is practically like a virtual canteen so you can like have a bunch of people sitting there but you have people sitting at separate tables so you'd still be only meeting six or seven people. Uh, for Valentine's, we did a speed dating event, um, which was good fun because obviously students are finding it difficult to meet each other. Uh, we ran a campaign called Sharing Our Strengths, which is a disability awareness. Uh, we've had several different discussion panels uh, top, like on the topics of mental health. We've been to conferences. Uh, we did a live streaming of like beard shaving, which was good fun. Loads of different events. So you're being very creative. Um a lot of online kind of virtual social interactions there. So I kind of want to ask you that obviously 
that's great to have that, but it's still screen to screen and not really seeing each other. Do you think that um, the last year of us all kind of being stuck inside that our health is going to take an impact from not having the physical social interactions with people? Very interesting. See, for me personally, I had quite a good experience because I was in a rather not great place before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, I got involved in society. I've taken part in so many trainings, such as like mental health first aid training, um, like suicide prevention training, that kind of thing. And we got loads of students involved. I think in terms of people's mental health being impacted, yes and no. I th- I personally, this is a personal, just from working with different students, feel that a lot of people needed the time to kind of step back, rekindle relations with families and kind of look after their mental health because life is quite quick. People are rushing. You're rushing to get deadlines. You're rushing to get to your next job, to your next meeting, to your next date. You're running, running, running. And people very seldom take time to just sit down and breathe. I think now we need to get out of it 100%. But coming up to it, I think life is going to be very, very different and probably a lot more positive. You know, this is in terms of mental health, in terms of physical health, of course, it's going to be different. A lot of people are missing out on their sports. They're missing out on going running. Uh, just dance has been great for me, you know, I have to say. But, you know, for a lot of people, it is very, very different. Uh, so I think, again, it's very much, I think mental health is going to take a big, big leap. More people are going to be interested in it. More people are going to be more confident to seek help. More people are going to be more confident to go for walks and different things like that. Physical health, again, I wouldn't be too sure. Fair enough. I do think people are going to be more appreciative um, of life when, when we're back out and, um, in, in the real world again and don't have any restrictions. Daniel, I was going to ask you, how do you think technology is affecting uh, health nowadays? Because obviously we're all sitting at home. We're even on a Zoom call right now. How do you feel uh, technology plays a role in health? Um, I think it goes both ways. I think it can be negative and it can be positive, especially now with the current climate and pandemic and everything. We're all spending so much more time on our phones and going through things. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in other people's lives and look at these influencers in Dubai and look look at everyone everywhere else and think, oh, they're living such a perfect life while I'm still at home. And I think it's kind of important to, I suppose, disengage from that for a while. But then I also feel technology is just, it's so beneficial. You know, it, like, I suppose if you're in a crisis situation, you can look up a number and you can be on the phone to a volunteer in a matter of minutes. I think it, you can use it in a sense that, like, I know myself, I follow a lot of, I suppose, mental health positive um, TikTok accounts and Instagram accounts. I think it's, it's just, it's very, very refreshing looking through your feed and just seeing a quote that kind of impacts your day or seeing a bit of positivity that takes away from, I suppose that negativity that is so often attached to social media, it just gives you a break and kind of lets you sit there and reflect on everything. Uh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. There's also beneficial sides to social media. Um, I have a, yeah, social media to me, man, it's such a, such an issue. Like, but there's, there's, cause there's the good side and the bad side of it. Essentially social media, like you could argue is just based around quantifiable approval from others. Like, um, so I feel, I feel very sorry for, um, people that kind of aren't able to to segregate it. Um, but that's where the mental health side of it comes into it. What tip would you have for someone that maybe wants to get involved and help people with their mental health rather than their own issue? They actually want to go out and help people. What, what would you think or what would you say to them? 
Yeah, like I, I would say for a really good place to start is, I suppose, if you're in college with your college societies and see what they're getting up to. Um, like I know, like us, if someone came to us and asked about how they could get involved uh, with the society or just mental health in general, um, we'd point them towards sources like Nightline, which is a very good resource for uh, college students. And um, then again, like you've got your safe talk training and things like that. Uh, volunteering is also a great way to go. Um, I suppose with like Nightline, you don't even have to be on the phone and other things. Uh, you can volunteer as I suppose a public relations individual. So you'll be going around kind of educating people. I know virtually at the moment, but educating people on um, Nightline. A lot of people don't know what Nightline is and um, educating people on that. And then again, the same with your Pieta House and your Samaritans and you're aware um, Jigsaw Mental Health Ireland. I think there's a lot of ways, like even if it's just, I suppose, running a fundraiser event for these uh, charities, there's so much ways that you can do it. And it can be in so many different ways in the sense that you can raise funds for them. You can educate people about uh, the charities and stuff. And I really do think there is lots of ways to, uh, which you can get involved with mental health. But it's just, I suppose, narrowing it down to what you really want to do um, when it comes to it. Yeah, yeah. And th- does that all apply to people that aren't in college as well? I know you said li- Nightline if you are in college, but say I'm I'm not in university and I still want to get involved in mental health, would you still say all the same kind of things? Yeah, definitely. Um, like Samaritans Unaware are two uh, really good um, organisations and Pieta House as well then. Um, you don't have to be a college student to get involved with these. Um, again, look, I suppose we just have a lot of emphasis on these uh, charities and organisations through college. But they work the exact same for people who aren't in a college setting. And I'm sure they would love the help from volunteers, uh, be it whether they're attending a college or if they're um, not. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, I have a question for you, which may be a little bit unpopular, but I had this conversation the other day with my mates and I'm kind of interested to see what you think of it being involved in a mental health society. So do you think that in recent years, people have just gotten a bit soft and that they kind of just uh, succumb to their thoughts and feelings and just automatically think there's something off of them or like that they have a serious issue or do you think that we've just become more aware of mental health and now we can label our feelings um i think definitely the awareness is a big part to play in it i think like looking back 20 30 years ago a lot of people were suffering but they were suffering in silence and there wasn't a lot of conversation about mental health back then um, going forward, like present day, people are more willing to talk about how they're feeling. And I suppose because of the fact they're more willing to talk about it, it would seem that there's maybe a bigger deal made about it. Whereas it's only just because the difference is back then people were suffering in silence, whereas now people can open up about how they're feeling. They can talk to their family. They can talk to their doctors about what's going on in their lives. Emma, do you think the the age of social media has increased um, anxiety amongst the public or do you think it's always been there and we just kind of uh, see it now because of things like social media? Yeah, um, I think even to the thing, you know, the way everyone's obsessed with blue light glasses these days and, yeah. you know, people, people are, are going on their phones late at night, you know, especially kids, teenagers, they're scrolling until 2, 3 a.m. They're getting really poor quality sleep and then they're going into school and the resilience is going to be shot from that, even just being tired and that kind of thing. So it's kind of an ill effect that might not be social media directly, but it's just overuse of technology and all that kind of thing that has to be thought of as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Especially like people like uh, PlayStation and all that stuff and just so many hours Absolutely. in front of a screen. I just can't, can't even believe it. Um, you kind of touched on sleep there, Emma, which I am just mad about sleep like I can't even talk about it enough it's just like sleep after 
food and water, sleep is just the most important thing ever. It kind of completely regulates your body, like homeostasis, all the different stuff, like your your mental side of it, your physical side of it, your your attitude, everything comes back to sleep. Um, what do you have to say on that point? Because obviously you said young kids are scrolling on their phone all night um, and they're only getting maybe like five, six hours sleep and then they're going into school expecting to be able to study and everything like that or even train after school. So what would you say about sleep? Yeah, 100%. Like if you think about your dreams, do you ever wake up in the morning and say, God, that was such a weird dream. And then maybe you're able to relate it back to something that happened the day before. That was your brain figuring out what happened that day, like putting it together and putting it aside. Um, as well as just when you are tired, it's much tougher to make it through the day. Sleep is essential for repair of your muscles, you know, all that kind of thing as well. And then I know myself when I'm studying for exams, it's never worked for me to stay up till 2am and get up at 6am. It just doesn't work. You don't retain the information. I'm sure you know yourself, Greg, with the law exams, like it's definitely the way to go is, you know, get up at 8am, do your bit of study, finish at six, hang out with your friends, go outside, and go to bed at 10 o'clock, get up at eight again. There's no way in the world you can function without sleep. I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, there's this kind of wrong idea out there that successful people, the most successful people in the world, don't sleep that much because when you're sleeping, they're working and all this stuff. It's such crap, like, because I'm like, you need sleep in order to succeed. Like, you have to perform in through the day, so you need to sleep at night so you can perform during the day. Like, it's just, this whole thing about... Uh, sacrificing sleep is just so silly and I don't know why it's even a thing. There's a good uh, um, expert on sleep called Matthew Walker. If anyone wants to kind of after this podcast to to look up more about sleep, he's a great book and he's a podcast. So um, definitely give that a look because if you're down in the dumps and you're feeling um, like you're not getting enough throughout your day, you're not productive enough, probably look at your sleep and then look at your diet and your your hydration. And if they're, they're off, that's probably your answer. It's definitely a good start. Yeah, 100%. I was going to ask you, Daniel, uh, you mentioned about your social media personally and that you follow um, like positive stuff and things that make you smile and things that make you um, feel better about yourself. And that kind of got me to the point that it's all about surrounding yourself with positivity. What you see, what you do, what you see is what you do, basically. Um, and what would your tip be to, to someone about kind of um, filtering out their social media in order to make it a more positive place? Um, I really think like there is a lot of, I suppose, we follow a lot of influencers in life. Um, we follow people who we don't know, but we just like the kind of life that they live. And I really think it's important to remember that with the likes of social media and stuff, they're only showing, like, and the same goes for everyone, like people are only showing the part of their life that they want to show you. They're not going to show you the down days that they have. They're not going to show you the days where they really did not in order to play the PlayStation. Um, they're just going to show you the highs, like the highest of highs of their life. I think that's one thing that's really important to remember when looking at social media is that you're being shown the image that they want you to see. Um, nobody wants to show you the the downs and the lows of their life. And I think it's that's really important to remember when you judge someone else's social media on your own life and on how you are living your life that just because you're having a bad day and you seem to be having a lot of bad days doesn't mean that people on social media aren't either. It's just that they're not showing it. Yeah, definitely. I'm obviously from uh, going on Love Island kind of into that. I don't, I hate saying the word influencer, but I was into influencing world. And I, um, I've had this thought myself. I'm like, uh, I try myself to put out positive vibes because I'm like, if I put out negative vibes, I don't want to bring someone down. But then I'm trying to like turn it to like, be like, be really honest. So like, for instance, recently I put up a post about I suffered two injuries um, 
a hamstring injury and a calf injury, which has impacted my training. And uh, I still wanted to like tell people about that, but not bring people down to, um, with some negative vibes. So I said it. I was like, I'm after getting injured. But um, I'm like, what I'm really looking forward to now is that the summer could potentially be one of the best summers that we've had in a while because we're all going to be free. And um, so there's kind of two sides to it, really. And people need to realize when they're looking at Instagram um, that it is just a snapshot of someone's life and you're missing all that extra stuff. And uh, some people may not be like me and kind of open up about the things that are getting them down. Um, So especially like younger people, when they're looking at these perfect, like, images of girls and men and they're just like oh I want to be like him and they're forgetting that uh, behind the camera there's a lot more going on so I do think that really kind of equates to the health side of things as well um, nowadays it's, it's a really it's a really big place and people should do like what you do Daniel and it's just filtered out to people that's going to just be positive and not bring you down uh, I was going to ask you Jessica is there something that you think people don't realise about health I know you're sp- specifically into mental health but just think health in general that people don't realize i suppose that's kind of a tricky question as well in the sense because education means elimination is my big thing and i really don't see how a person can be expected to understand things about mental health for example their physical health if they've never experienced it nor know about it um i think the amount of services that are available for students is probably a big one because uh, i know that the most big big issue that students are facing when they speak to me is that they either can't get an appointment, they can't get to a counsellor, they can't, you know, get the advice they need. I mean, someone was even saying that to get an emergency appointment, they were still on the list for two and a half weeks. So that's probably the big thing. There are so many free services for students out there. For example, the one I volunteer for a turn to me, they offer six free counselling sessions for like students in Ireland. And a lot of students don't know that because again, it's the price thing as well. A lot of students, when they think, oh, I need to go see a counsellor, I need to go get help, they think, oh, 60 euro ago, 200 euro ago, medication, things like this. They think money, they think no. It's lack of information, lack of education, I think would be the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with you there. It's just about kind of taking the first step and trying to educate yourself. Emma, I was going to ask you about what, how do you think diet plays into health? Hugely, majorly. You know, I suppose what you were saying, um, what we spoke about, about Instagram and how you see these perfect bodies or what is the idea of the perfect body? Like that's what's leading people maybe to have kind of unhealthy dietary choices, especially I think young women, but increasingly young men as well. And maybe, you know, not eating healthily in the hopes of staying slim or, you know, getting toned. But diet even more so is you know, a habit and a good practice, no more than getting out for exercise. If you're eating good breakfast in the morning, you know, you might run into your family, you might run into your housemates, you have a really nice chat, you get your lunch, you know, you eat something that doesn't make you feel really tired. You have maybe your salad, your bit of chicken, whatever. Um, You go about your afternoon, you're fueled, you're feeling good. You're not wrecked after having a chicken fillet roll delicious as they are you know Um. (laughs) yeah that's the word exactly it's fuel like you have to fuel your body in order to operate I just think it's a long-term thing with this whole health and diet and people are looking for these quick fixes and they're just not going to work long term it's all about this like holistic approach I think we've kind of touched on every kind of part of health there so far like there's your exercise there's your social there's your diet there's your sleep like it's 
it's easier than you think it's just you got to hit all your points and I, I think Emma said it a while ago it's all about having routine um, that's what I think for myself anyway the best way I stay on top of my health personally um, not even because I'm, I'm a professional rugby player just a normal as a human being is I set myself a routine for the week so I could tell you for every hour in a week, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing roughly. Um, and it kind of goes as far as getting up in the morning and, as you said, having your breakfast to my training, my study, my work. Um, I know what I'm going to be doing. And that really helps me to have a focus and cover all my bases. So what I actually started doing this year in 2021 was uh, journaling. I kind of heard a lot about it and I was like, there's something here in journaling that I don't, I haven't kind of uh, figured out yet. So I want to give it a proper crack. And I've absolutely loved it. And initially I was kind of doing everything I was like setting goals and I was doing all different like reviews of the day reviews of the week and what I want to do next week it got a bit much so I've kind of broken it down to just I get up in the morning and what I do is I write down things I'm grateful for it might be just two or three things um, and it could be so simple as literally just I slept well last night um, I'm glad my uh friend's birthday is coming up and we can celebrate that and um, I did well in training the other day like something so simple like that and it kind of just makes you realise that your life isn't bad do you know what I mean you're you're doing pretty well you're, you're grateful for certain things in your life and it kind of sets you up nicely for the day and puts you in a positive mindset straight away and then I always kind of write down what I get, want to get done for the day um, and it could be something as simple as literally just making the dinner taking out the bins or it could be having that phone call or doing that assignment and you know as you tick things off the list it gives you kind of a dopamine hit and you definitely feel a bit better um, so that's what I've, I've done anyway and I would recommend to anyone that uh, is kind of caught to get their health in check um, try journaling or try just literally writing a couple of lists or writing down what you're grateful for and it's a great place to start and it's really kind of helped me in my life so far in 2021 I don't know if you've, you've ever tried a uh, journaling or uh, anything like that Jessica have you absolutely I love bullet journals they're just something so nice about them and you get them for a quid in tiger cute little pink ones and I also love like poetry like that would be my kind of thing I absolutely love writing poems <laughs> stop as that sounds uh, absolutely yeah bullet journaling in particular because you can kind of we do classes on that every so often and, you know, it's just great for like getting things in order and making things feel a bit more safe and secure and just kind of getting through the day as well. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. That's a great tip, Jessica. What about you, Daniel? Would you have any kind of top tip for someone um, that they could do once they get off this podcast that's just going to help them uh, improve their overall health? Um, I definitely think kind of the mindfulness aspect of it, which comes with journaling and stuff then as well. Um, even just sitting there, like I know Headspace is a very good app for uh, meditation. You can limit it down to a minute or two minutes and just kind of taking everything in for a minute, minute or two and just realizing like, I suppose, your appreciation for everything that's going on around you and just grounding yourself in the now and not thinking about the future and what's ahead and stuff. Um, I know with the journal thing, I found a book, the six minute diary is very good for that. Um, like again, six minutes throughout your day. It's not going to take a lot of time, but it is something that I've been using, which kind of, I suppose, keeps me on track um, and kind of gives me that bit of structure to my day as well to kind of, I know every evening I'm going to write in this and it gives me something to look forward to then as well. That's it, like six minutes. Um, that's nothing. It's listening to two songs like, and that's it, you're done. And it kind of really just helps your mental side of things, which in turn is going to help your physical side of things. And you said there about recapping on, on your day and things like that. Well, I haven't gone to that extent of journaling. And it, so people who hear journaling and they think, oh, it's this big thing 
being and it's I can't I don't have time for that but uh, it only takes a couple of minutes and uh, I could definitely recommend it to, to anyone um, that's willing to try something to try and improve their health do you have any other top tips Emma for anyone listening to to improve their health um, I suppose number one is in the terms of physical health we've spoken about diet we've spoken about exercise if you need to go to your GP do not be afraid to go in COVID times, if you have an emergency, equally attend the emergency department. And then in 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 terms of mental health, I guess the main thing I would say would be talk to your friends. Um, but as well, we've been learning recently about um, CBT. I don't know if, you, if you're probably familiar with it, but I found it really interesting. Like it's all about the way you think affects the way you feel and the way you behave. And it's really nice to see that if you have this negative thought, like oh, my! I rang my friend there and she didn't answer. Now she hates me. That's that's not the correct way to think, you know. If you think, I rang my friend, she didn't answer. Oh, she must be busy. She's probably having a cup of tea, taking a bit of time to herself. You know, there's kind of this small thing you can put into place and it helps you to feel more positive about yourself and the world and about others. And it's a really good place to start. And I've been actively putting that learning into my life ever since. You call it CBT. Yeah, so cognitive behavioral therapy is what it is. It was originally invented um, as a treatment for depression, but like it's literally useful for everyone in everyday life. And is there a place someone can go to learn more about that? Or can you give a quick example of how to how to put it into your life right now? Yeah, so type in CBT into the internet, into YouTube, you'll find loads of resources there. And then you can get in touch with the mental health societies because they're like really, really all about CBT and that kind of thing. So I'd say I nearly direct you to the, to the guys um, in that regard. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, the two guys are, are, are nodding away there. Jessica, what, CBT, you're a big fan of it, you are? Yeah, I'm definitely very new to it myself, but I think it's been really, really good. We got these really cool worksheets. So like Emma was saying, if you put it into Google, you'll actually get like several different types of websites. We'll bring it to videos and worksheets as well, which will help you kind of uh, to kind of put your thoughts in order. It starts off kind of, I suppose, for someone who might be kind of rushing or who wouldn't be too used to kind of accessing their thoughts, if that would be a good way of putting it. It's really good to try and understand how you're feeling. So like I had these sheets and it was like, what are you feeling right now? Is it a healthy thought? Is it not kind of thing? And you separate it into groups and you kind of do that every day, kind of similar to the journaling. And it's a really good way of reflecting and kind of, you know, calming yourself down. As well. So absolutely, I would definitely uh, recommend people looking it up. Yeah, so it's a simple, just type CBD into Google and all that's going to come up. Absolutely. Um, there's actually an app available to NUIG students. I believe we get emails about it all the time called Silver Cloud and that has uh, some CBT. And then there's a book as well, actually, that was recommended to us called Mind Over Mood that I just remembered. Well, I um, have never even tried the CPT stuff. I'll have to I'll have to give it a crack. Um, it's obviously another place that I can improve on myself. I was going to ask you about, Daniel, about meditation. Do you think uh, that is a place someone could look to to improve their health as well. I've never really got into the whole meditation thing. I want to, but um, I haven't yet, yet put it into my life. Do you do any meditation? Yeah, um, I suppose kind of, again, the Headspace app is really good. Um, like a quick kind of one minute, two minute meditation session. Uh, just kind of, I suppose, grounds you in the moment and makes you kind of stop that feeling of overthinking the next week, the next month, the next year. Um, I'd also do some meditation sometimes when trying to go to sleep. If I look again, I'd be a very good advocate for uh, like you need to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And Emma, what's your take on meditation? Do you think it's something uh, someone could do uh, to improve their health? 100%. Yeah, it's I'm actually a big advocate for head, headspace as well. I do it most days. Um, but even things, you know, sitting down, getting your resting heart rate down, getting your rest rate down. It actually is really good for your 
overall health, you know, taking that moment not to be in the anxious state. I don't know if you know about the stress hormone cortisol, but it's released when you're in a kind of a chronic constant state of stress and it's quite damaging to your body in general. So if you can take that time every single day to relax down, get your adrenaline and your cortisol levels down, take that minute, that's going to be really beneficial to not only your mental, but your physical health as well. Yeah. I think a big takeaway from this podcast is that it doesn't take that much time to kind of put these things into your daily routine um, to really help yourself. So uh, I'm kind of getting that from all of you. You're all just like, it just takes a minute. Just step back. Just kind of remove yourself from your day. Take a minute and uh, kind of gather your thoughts. As um, Jessica said there, just just kind of, I, want, I, know, I don't know what word you use, but kind of separate out your thoughts is what you're saying, Jessica, um, from negative, positive. And it only just takes a couple of minutes and it's going to improve your life. Um, I was going to ask you, Jessica, the best piece of advice you've ever been given always say yes. As long as you're safe and secure and supported, just tell yourself to say yes, because you'll find yourself doing amazing things. I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you today on a podcast as Mental Health Society president if I didn't say yes to trying things and breaking out of the comfort zone. So absolutely. I am a big believer in just saying yes as well. So that's the only reason I'm sitting here, because I said yes to going on a, on a TV show, which is, <laughs> look where I am now chatting to lovely people, learning loads of stuff. So you never know know what's going to happen. Like, um, we're all here for, for different reasons because we said yes to certain things. Emma, top tip for anyone listening to discover something new. Um, I would say if you are on social media and you see someone who has a cool job or is doing something really cool, send them a DM. Like, you know, the worst thing they can say to you is no or not answer. Like neither of those things are really going to damage you in any way. So send them a DM be like, I think what you're doing is really cool. And I'd love to get involved in this, you know, in this technological era. That's that's how to do it, I think. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I really like that one. Yeah, just ask the question. You never know what could happen. Jessica, a top tip for someone listening to help them discover a new path. Like you obviously discovered your uh, mental health society and now, we, now you're running the show there. What's a top tip for someone to help them discover uh, an area that's of interest to them? Absolutely. Put yourself out there. Do not be afraid to go somewhere alone. I know that there is a stigma around that as well, but don't be afraid because there's so many incredible, wonderful people. Like you're just one step away from meeting your next best friend, you know? So you never know what's going to like change your world. So absolutely just go for it. And sure, if anyone's rocking around Minute, you know where to find me. I'll happily go with you. (laughs) (laughs) Give give Jessica a shout if you're around Minute. I love that you said, uh, don't be afraid to go anywhere alone. I really, really like that one. Um, I actually wrote down alone here in my little notepad because after you saying that, um, because I think everyone is just so concerned about uh, everyone else and needing to go somewhere with someone and needing that like um, approval. But I think that you're going to discover the most about yourself and discover a new area if you go alone because then you have to get involved. Like, do you know what I mean? You're not going to using someone as a crutch. If you go by yourself, you're getting involved and um, it could be like one of you lovely people and just be a... happy as Larry in your societies. All right, Jessica, if someone wants to get involved in the Mental Health Society in Maynooth, where can they go? Do you have any uh, Instagram handles or websites? Absolutely. We would love to hear from you. So we try to keep it simple. All of our social media, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and soon a TikTok is MHS Maynooth. So that's MHS Maynooth. And then we also have an email, which is mentalhealth at mulife.ie. So, but all of our social media is MHS News. And then we also have the mental health vlog, which is Make It Mental. And that's on Instagram. So that's Make It Mental. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jessica. Daniel, 
Uh, the Mental Health Society in NCI. How could someone get involved? Have you have an Instagram or a website or? Yeah, so we uh, we mainly work with Instagram. So our handle there would be NCI Mental Health Society. And then if you want to get in contact with us, um, if you're not on Instagram, uh, you can send us an email at NCI Mental Health Society at gmail.com. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Uh, Emma, the Emergency Medicine Society in NUIG, how can someone get involved? Yeah, so the, the main one for us as well is Instagram. So that is at Emergency Med NUIG. And it's usually me there. So you can send me a little DM. And as well, if you look up the NUI Galway Society's website and just search um, Emergency Medicine um, or likewise on Twitter, just search NUIG Emergency Medicine Society and you'll find us. Amazing. Thanks very much. Um, okay. I think that we've kind of come to the end of this uh, episode. It was a really, really good one. Incre- incredible chat about health, both physical and mental. Um, a lot of incredible points from the, from the three of you. I've stuff to take away for it and kind of I need to uh, implicate into my own life now. Um, for instance, the CBD stuff, that was just unreal. Um, so I hope the listener as well, you got something from it too. And if you want to learn even more, be sure to check out the wide range of free online courses on votafonex.ae. You can also catch all the other Vodafonex cast episodes up there, like the performing one, filmmaking one, we had tech, we had business, and we did an activism one, which was really good. And trust me, there are plenty more episodes on the way. And of course, a massive thank you to Vodafone X for making all of this happen. And also to my three lovely guests. We have Emma, Jessica and Daniel. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. I think we had a great chat. Did you enjoy yourselves? Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Great time. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks so much for listening at home. Until next time, keep well and stay safe. Goodbye.